Well, good morning, church. It's great to be in worship with you here today. Hello to those joining online. It's great to be also with you as well and those that will watch this later. Well, uh, I'm sad to say, church, but it's the end of a sermon series. I know, I know. But the good news is we celebrate this one with a potluck afterwards. So that's about as good as it gets, right? right woo. So, uh, uh, so again, if you're watching this online, you're like, oh, man, I woke up past the hour. Didn't set your alarm clock. You got time to make something real quick and come on in and, and uh, eat with us a little later. So come on and do that. Uh, but we're going to be fellowshipping together. And uh, we've been doing a whole sermon series, in fact, on fellowship and this idea of what it means. Now, there's a whole bunch more that could be said. We could look at a whole bunch of different angles. Uh, for instance, the one thing that I didn't necessarily have time to, to fulfill here today, but I want to just kind of touch on it based real quickly, is God has given each of us different talents, different gifts, and we need each other. Just turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Now look at your pastor. I need you. And I, I need you. I, I'm saying to you, right? You don't have to say it to me. Right? I'm, I need you, right? <laughs> because we need each other. God has made the church. That is how the church functions. None of us is a person that handles it all. We all share the burden and, of course, share the ministry together. That's how it is. But that's a sermon in a nutshell there. But we're going to have a different sermon here today. And I thought I'd make you hungry. So we're going to talk about the secret sauce. Now, you know what I mean on this, right? Whenever you go out to a restaurant and you go to just a delicious place, there's something in the sauce, right? And if you're like me, I am a, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I, I basically want something to dunk in the sauce, but the whole reason why I ordered the meal was for the sauce, right, itself. Because I really, everything else is almost irrelevant, but it's just I got to order it to be polite for at the table instead of just drinking sauce. But for me, lately I found a new sauce. Let me tell you about it. You ready to be... This is going to be a little hungry here. I, I'm feeding you afterwards, so it's all good. So as we're here today, uh, my wife and I have been doing this HelloFresh thing. You guys ever heard of HelloFresh? So yeah, okay, many of you know it. It's the idea of this is it's like you don't know about it. It's one of these, you know, cooking meal things where you don't go to the grocery store. They just, you pick your meals, they send them to you, and they're already in bags. So you literally just stick them in your fridge, and on the night you want to make them, you just get them out. And other than salt, pepper, oil, and sugar, and water, Everything else you need is in there. So literally, you don't have to think. You just get out the recipe card, and you make it, and you chop it, and you eat it, right? And uh, for people who have young kids, it's awesome. It's really great. Uh, we really enjoy it. But one of the things we found is um, some of the uh, Texas or Mexican flavored dishes or Southwest flavored dishes have a little something called Tex-Mex paste. Now, any of you on here had the Tex-Mex paste? All right. You haven't tasted sweet ambrosia nectar of the gods. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't know what you're missing. This Tex-Mex paste is like, I remember you cut it open, and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is going to taste like. So I take a little dab, and I was like, <gasps> And in fact, I looked online. I tried to replicate the uh, Tex-Mex paste a couple times, and you can't quite get it. Like, it's just irreparable. I can't quite do it. But it is something, and you just add it to anything, like tacos or enchiladas or burritos or whatever, it just goes from like, you know, homemade whatever to like Gordon Ramsay delicious. I mean, this thing is, it is, I, well, I, I didn't have, you only have this little packet. Oh, yeah, we got to, we got to make it. We got, you're right. I got to somehow figure out a way to make the Tex-Mex paste. But now that I've told you about it, it's sweet and savory. It's salty and it's spicy and it's oh, just delicious. Anyways, it is the secret sauce. And it can take anybody's cooking and make it something that anybody would pay lots of money for. It is absolutely delicious. And in fact, when I tried to look up the recipes online, everybody was just like, yeah, we get it. We know you're trying to make this sauce, this paste, because it's, a, it's just phenomenal. And so I've been on a, on a quest to do that. I'll let you know when I succeed. And maybe next potluck, we will have uh, some tacos or something. That's right. 
but you're right. Well, I want to just think about this for a minute. You know, in fellowship, if you stop and think about it, there's actually a secret sauce to it. There really is. And there's a whole bunch of avenues that you could take that down and ways you could look at. But, you know, Christians, when we talk about love, and a lot of times you're probably thinking, oh, it's going to be a sermon about love, and it is. But we talk about love, but there's a certain kind of delicate, sweet-tasting, goodness, secret sauce to love. And in fact, when Jesus told us to love one another, it was couched. A whole bunch of other teachings that he taught us. I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the sermon to find out what it is. Are you ready for the big reveal? You already guessed it, I know. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. It is the secret sauce. Christianity and our fellowship. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's really the secret sauce to when Jesus talks about love, what makes his definition of love and when he commands us to love one another, what makes it different than almost any other version of love you can find in the world that's happened in the past or even today. The dif- The biggest difference is forgiveness. It's one of the most powerful things in the world, and its importance can't be exaggerated for us. Now, if you stop and think about it, it makes a lot of sense why this would be so important. For instance, last week, to piggyback off what we were talking about, we really looked at the ideas of how fellowship, and so many times, even though we want to live good here on Sunday morning and live the rest of the week just as we do on Sunday morning, we self-deceive ourselves in so many ways, right? We talked about all those ways that we trick our brain into justifying sin or not dealing with sin and all the, all the ways that we do that. But the simple truth is, is that sin is always dogging us. It's always hounding us. It's always coming after us. And sin is always going to be present in our lives until God finish, finishes the work that he started inside us. And so, you know what? One of the guarantees in this life, and Casey, I'm sorry to burden you with this burden here this morning. You're going to get hurt. Because sin exists. And it's coming for you. It's a fact of life. And the other thing that's also true is you will mess up. And in fact, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you will hurt others by what is left undone or what is left done. Well, the simple truth is in the church, this is also true, Right? And I know this is something that was when I first started off ministry, I'd hear this all the time. It's kind of died down in more recent years, but I've heard, you know, people would talk to people and they'd be like, oh, you're a pastor. I'd be like, oh, yeah. They're like, oh, I used to go to church. I go, oh, well, you know, it's an open door. So what made you, what made you stop going to church? And they're like, it was full of hypocrites. And I go, true statement. Guilty as charged, right? I mean, it is absolutely true. True statement that the church is full of hypocrites. And in fact, every single one of us in this room is a hypocrite. However, it's also true, everywhere you go, it's hypocrites, right? And the simple truth is that for the church, for what the people of God are doing, the church is the hospital for sin. It's the only place in the whole entire world you can go and be healed of your hypocrisy. It's the only place where you go and regularly encounter the Holy Spirit working amongst God's people and be transformed in the very soul of who you are. Nothing else has that power. Only the Holy Spirit can do it in your life with your acceptance of it. And so, of course, there is that question, though, when it happens in church, you know, when things do happen, when when brothers and sisters in the faith have things that hurt each other, you know, what do you do together? How do you move forward? And in fact, if you just think kind of even, just kind of zoom out for a minute, how does the church still even exist after 2,000 years of people hurting each other, right? 
And you just think about it. If you're spending enough time with each other over time, just hurts are going to build up and up and up until there's a fracture and a split. Well, it's a simple word. It's the very teaching of Jesus. It's forgiveness. And it's the glue, if you will, that holds it all together. You know, many times in our world where there's a lot of people proclaiming a lot of different things, but we really stop thinking about it. There's not many that preach or proclaim forgiveness outside the church and outside of Jesus' teaching. For instance, and I look around the world, I see a whole bunch of cries for justice. But if there's no forgiveness as part of justice, all it turns into is injustice for a different group of people. A lot of people cry for societal change. But if there's no forgiveness as part of that, the societal change that happens merely takes one oppressed people and makes another oppressed people. We talk a lot and I hear a lot about empowerment and conversations of empowering people, but the simple truth is if you don't have forgiveness as part of that conversation, all that happens is you exile a whole other group of people and disempower them. In fact, I think that's what's so powerful when we look at people in history, especially Martin Luther King Jr. and Nelson Mandela, both of them preached forgiveness left and right as part of their message. And yes, they cried for justice. Yes, they cried for societal change. Yes, they cried for empowerment. But that wasn't the whole of their message. They grabbed hold of this truth that they found and preached it as well. Now, if you think about how unique this is, it's so unique to Christianity, this idea of forgiveness in such powerful ways. In fact, followers of Christ, as we know it, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's assumed you're doing it, right? You ever stopped and thought about that? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you can't pray it without actually forgiving others. And you can't pray it without asking, asking forgiveness yourself, right? Remember that line, right? Forgive us not our trespasses, or maybe some denominations, if you're watching, say debts. But, you know, the original language just says sin, if we want to go there. It just says, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sinned against us. See, Jesus, when he taught his disciples, this is my prayer that I want you to pray. It shows what the ministry is all about and what it means to follow me. It was built in right there from the very get-go. And then you think about Jesus and what his ministry on this earth was. The primary thing that Jesus talks about his own ministry on earth was the forgiveness of sins. See, forgiveness is built into our message. It's built into who we are. It's the very DNA of where we come from. And in fact, our scripture, this message today, really kind of takes it to a whole new level, in fact. And, in, and just to kind of set this, this scripture, Jesus has been talking with his disciples and others, and he just had the part where, you know, the little children come to me kind of conversation and all these different talks about that. And then he talks about, if your brother has a sin against you, you know, go and reconcile with him. He tells this whole thing. Now, of course, when you hear the word brother, who's he talking about? He's talking about the fellowship of believers that are already following him. But it is interesting that Peter picks up after Jesus tells this quick little story. Peter picks up and he goes, hey, Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? Right? Now, of course, we kind of understand that in the context of he's talking about like a fellowship of people of, of actually following Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, so to speak. But it is interesting to think about that Peter actually has a literal brother in the disciple group, right? And so I wonder if Andrew's sitting there going, what did you got against me? Like, what, what did I do? Right? But anyways, he says, how much time, how many times must I forgive my brother? And he gives the, the magical number, seven, right? And the reason why seven is so magical is because it's kind of, for the Israelites, it's the symbol of the number that is of, like, completeness. And so whenever you have, like, seven, it's the idea that it's a complete, huge forgiveness. And so Peter goes, ha, ha, Jesus, I can forgive. Should I give him seven times? And depending on your translation, it says one of these two things. It says either 70, Jesus says, no, no, no. You have to forgive him 77 times, or even some translations say 70 times 
seven times. Just 490. Some of you are ticking down. I'm just watch yourselves. You know, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But obviously what Jesus is saying, and, and the reason for that discrepancy is just simple because some of the early texts tell it differently. And the simple truth may be, you know, for different reasons, you can go look at that. But one of them may just be that Jesus told this a couple different times. And sometimes he used 490, sometimes he used 70. I mean, it just, or 77, that is. It just depends on how that goes. But nonetheless, the idea is this, is Jesus saying, no, 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 Peter. There's no limit. Take your perfect number, multiply it by perfect numbers. It never stops. And in fact, Jesus' teaching in this moment is so critical because when he talks and just kind of, in sort of a way, just helps Peter truly understand what it means to forgiveness and what Jesus' ministry is all about, he goes on and tells that parable, right, of the, of the steward, Lord, who was forgiven a bunch, then he turns around and doesn't forgive other people. Jesus says, bad things are coming the person who didn't forgive, and that it's pretty clear from that, from that teaching, Jesus demands, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you today, to follow Jesus, he demands that we live with and for forgiveness. There's no way around it. There's no shortcut. There's no way to stave it off. Christ's people must be people of forgiveness. You think about it, it's how the church still exists. It's how in, how in the world you know you've been hurt throughout many times of your life, and maybe even in the church. Forgiveness is the power that only keeps you here. It keeps the fellowship of believers moving forward and following Christ. Now, we've been on a journey. And uh, as many of you know, we've, we've uh, come through the fire and the water, if you will, through these last few months. I'm going to call it, uh, you know, we we'd normally talk about it in terms of disaffiliation, but I'm going to call it the affiliation vote because, of course, that's how it turned out, right? So I want to just speak real quickly about the affiliation vote that we had. You know, as I look back and reflect on it, and I promise that this is going to be the last time I probably ever talk about it from the pulpit. But it occurs to me, just like it probably does you, that we didn't come through unscathed. And it occurs to me, just like it probably does you, that there may be hurt still lingering. In fact, I've been praying very much about this because uh, the first church I got appointed to and served at, they had their disaffiliation process, had their vote just the other week. It was horrible what they went through. And I know we had some emotional times, I know we had some, some parts of our journey that were hard, but... When I look at what some of the churches that are going through, let me just tell you, I am proud of all of you, and even those that are in this room. Because I know it wasn't easy, but you handled it with grace, beyond grace. And to see what's happening in some of these other churches, especially ones that I served in, is, is just heartbreaking. But the simple truth is, even us and how we handled it with such grace and that we really, truly did it well, simple truth is there's probably hurt still lingering, which is why before we have our fellowship here today, before we have our potluck, there's really one last thing we need to do. Just as Jesus demanded from his followers, we must forgive one another. We must offer it to one another. And so first church, let me just say this. Forgive me. 
Throughout this process and throughout these days, I'm sure there are all sorts of ways in which I have failed you. I'm sure there were emails that just got lost in the mix of all the different emails coming from every direction. I'm sure there were conversations where I misspoke, not intentionally, but maybe misspoke or misunderstood what you were asking. I'm sure there were times where I did not lead either courageously or times where I did not step up to the plate. I know beyond a shadow of doubt, there was at least one meeting where I should have stopped us in a moment and prayed. And for that, I failed you. I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. And the second is this. We must forgive each other, including those who aren't in this room. And sometimes I just want to caution you in my and kind of just growing up and trying to live this out. You know, sometimes it takes the talk with somebody to work something out. Sometimes it just takes you just letting go of bitterness, and that's forgiveness. So don't think you have to approach somebody here today. Don't think you have to, like, call someone up to take them to the side and say, let's talk this through. Just let your heart not have bitterness. In fact, part of the liturgy, we kind of shorten it sometimes, but the extended liturgy of communion that we'll take here today starts off with this, confessing of our sins to one another. And one of the things that we remind ourselves is that all are invited to this table, all who earnestly repent of their sins, and hear this line, who seek to live in peace with one another. It means that forgiveness is part of your life, part of how you're living. When we come and we seek to live in peace with one another, we're living like the way Jesus has taught us not harbor bitterness in our hearts, but to forgive, to move on. Church, the one last thing we must do before we can truly move on is forgive one another. How we can do that here today is pretty simple, I think. First of all, we're going to fellowship with each other. So, But I pray that just when we take communion, as we do here in just a moment, if there's someone you just need to reconcile with, why don't you give them a hug? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, you asked for forgiveness, I want to just know, I want you to know we forgive you. I'm going to be just right down here as we come down to take communion. After you take communion, I'm, I'm a hugger. You can hug me <laughs> and offer a physical sign of forgiveness. But I also want to offer you today that many times in our life, there are hurts that happen and people pass away or move away and we just don't have a way to even reconcile with them. We don't have a way to even address that. And so we just almost have to live with it. And I just want to challenge you here today that if that's maybe you, is this a symbolic way of offering forgiveness for that person? I'll be here. I'm already getting hugs. Just hug me. And I know you're not hugging me. You're hugging that person in your mind. It's okay. You can lay it down. It's a safe place. And the burdens that we lay down, Jesus takes up. And when you do, you'll experience freedom like you've never experienced before. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. And God, we are challenged always by forgiveness because it is not the natural way of this world. We want to hang on to our hurts. We want justice. We want people to have punishment for what they've done. In so many ways, it becomes part of who we are. We're the resent maybe that we hold on to. It becomes the very character of our life. And yet, God, you demand that if we follow you, forgiveness is not an option.
And God, as we remember that number you threw out, whether it was 77 or 490, either way, you've forgiven us more than that. Each of us stands and our sins accumulate way more than that number. So God, remind us the goodness of your love passed to us. Whatever walls that stand between us and offering that same forgiveness to others, break them down, flood your washing waves through them now. May those walls come crumbling right here and right now.